Today we're going to look at our cells and we're going to look at it from the eyes of a biophysicist and a healer. The healthy relations to cells and our body-mind repair of damaged cells and DNA. Dr. Joyce Hawks will be my guest and uh, she has training as a biologist, cellular biologist, and a biophysicist. And she was a fellow at the National Institute of Health before commencing research at the National Marine Research Center, where she was honored with the National Achievement Award. She's an expert on the electron microscope, and she's published many peer-reviewed papers of her work on ultra-speed laser effects on cells and the effects of the environmental pollution on cellular life. She's currently a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Now let's just see if she's on. I'm, I'm not in my studio in New York City. I'm uh, on a retreat, but my Internet is not up right now, so I can't uh, tell from my engineer if she's on. Let's just see if uh, Dr. Hawks on the line. Hi, Dr. Hawks. Hi, I'm here. Good, thank you. Dr. Hawks, I want to uh, kind of begin at the end of my story and work backwards and uh, rather in a linear way. Okay. When I was in the Amazon rainforest, I saw a shaman work with a boy who had been bitten by a poisonous snake, and the, uh, the boy's arm was very swollen, and mm -hmm. the tissue had turned you could see that there was a massive infection. And the shaman was sitting with the boy, stroking his head, had a hand on the boy's arm, and then that arm went down. I saw it. Mm. I also saw that kids were throwing bread into the uh, water and little piranha were snapping it up. But when the shaman bathed in that water, nothing happened. Uh, wow. Right? Mm -hmm. And throughout my life, I've toured the world looking, in fact, I wrote an article that was published in uh, the Journal of Psychotronic Research as well as Human Nature called In Search of the Real Healers. Mm. Now, we jump from there, we'll come back to that, to the work at the Institute of Applied Biology where I was a research fellow doing anti-aging research, but I also did psi research. I had to kind of do it on the side because the the orthodox people there didn't believe in any of this. They thought it was all mumbo-jumbo nonsense. And I did an experiment, at least I'm not aware of any others that had done it prior to that, where we took a, a bunch of sprouts. We took alfalfa sprouts, mm -hmm. same sprouts, and we put them in two rooms. In one room, we had a group of individuals who claimed that they had the ability to cause energy exchange. Mm -hmm. We had a rabbi, Abraham Wiseman. We had Dr. Thomas Kruth. We had a, a chiropractor, Dr. Morton Jacobs, and a group of other people. And lo and behold, the group of sprouts that they meditated over or touched grew three times faster <laughs> than the group, the very same identical group, getting the same water and sunlight mm -hmm. and just the other side of the room that they did not have anything to do with. Then we moved on from there to rats, and these were rats that uh, we got through a source of Sloan Kettering that only lived a short period of time. And those that the healers touched, they were able to stop the cancer, the nasites, 100% mm. of the time. Six mm. out of six straight studies over a one-year period. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And one of those individuals was uh, someone you may have heard of from the New York University, Dolores Krieger, Dr. Dolores Krieger, who founded sure. Therapeutic sure. Touch based upon the rat studies at that time. Right, because met her that, years ago. At that point, there had been no scientific proof uh-huh. that a touch could actually cause something. Mm-hmm. Science wasn't willing to acknowledge that there was any any uh, validity outside of some placebo effect mm-hmm. by the touch of a hand. And yet we proved that with rats that we could have, a, there were a group of individuals who could do this. But more significantly to me, there was there were a group of individuals, including Olga Worrell and Catherine Coleman. Have you ever heard of sure. them? Sure, absolutely. And in England, Dr. H- or Harry Edwards, yeah, Dor- yeah. George Collins, George Pasteur, Dr. Ann Woolley Hart, and Dr. Christopher Woodard, and Dr. Israel. Now, three of those are some of the most preeminent physicians from the Royal Academy in England. They were mm-hmm. able to heal absentee, meaning right. they had rats, just mm-hmm. the photos, and their rats also healed. And that was the mm-hmm. first time I'd actually seen people could heal from a distance. Remotely, sure. So when I finished all this research, which took about two years, and I then began to apply the principles that that there is an energy that is exchanged, and in that energy there is healing that cannot necessarily be measured by our current uh, scientific tools, but our scientific tools should not be the only tools that we understand when it comes to the healing process. That began a whole long reevaluation of what causes us to age, how to slow down the aging, how to repair cells, and how that it is not just a calorie. When I was graduating from dietetic school, I was told emphatically by a particular instructor, Gary, it doesn't matter if a calorie comes from an apple or sugar, white mm-hmm. sugar. Uh, a calorie is a calorie, and I said, but I don't believe that. I believe mm-hmm. that the calorie that comes from that apple is different. There's a life energy attached to it. He said, that's mm-hmm. nonsense. Well, now we know that that there is a difference in the quality of energy based upon the source, as there's the quality of energy based upon what people project. That said, that's the back end of the story. Now let's put it in context of what you've experienced. So if you would please tell us your story of how, from a very orthodox background as a scientist, teacher, you were able to, through your own life experience, see that there was something beyond the pale, something beyond... The, um, the boundaries of scientific reason that you experienced and how that has taught you how people could be helped with multiple sclerosis, autism, diabetes, many other conditions. By the way, just a half hour ago, I finished filming a family in our studio in New York City. Even though I'm in Florida today, I, I was directing from here. But this young boy, uh, age 10, was completely normal as a baby until... Uh, and toddler until he received the hepatitis B vaccine mm. and then became autistic. And all the best and brightest neurologists that this child was treated by could do nothing. Mm-hmm. And then there was a change based upon a, a different approach, a more spiritual approach, nutritional approach, and now the child's completely normal. So we had him at 10 tell his story today. It's part of a document I'm doing on natural approaches to autism. But that is just, I believe, one more example of what's possible if we don't limit ourselves to just one paradigm of reasoning and response. Your Mm -hmm. thoughts, please take your time, evolve your story. Thank you. That's fascinating back 
backdrop for this. Um, you know, I enjoyed being a scientist tremendously and had no interest in spirituality or in alternative things. I was young and healthy and um, never had to face something myself um, that changed my health. And I loved science. I was working with the electron microscope and had this incredible opportunity to sit in front of a one-ton machine that worked on 100,000 volts of electricity and peer inside of cells looking at sort of the secrets of how they work, at least at the visual and structural level. I was working with National Marine Fisheries, a branch of National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which took me to some wonderful places in Alaska and on the oceans and looking at what changes occur in fish, part, uh, specifically when they're exposed to various kinds of pollutants. I had a group of people that worked for me and got a chance to travel a lot and speak and write papers and I was thoroughly immersed and happy in the world of science. And my doctorate was in biophysics, and so I was touching that edge, the bridge, if you will, between the, the uh, deep sort of almost quantum level workings of cells and the material working of cells as you see it with an electron microscope, the pieces of molecules and how they're organized. and how cells take care of themselves in repair and when they're overwhelmed, uh, what they look like when uh, they're dying and so on. Endlessly fascinating for me. But in the midst of all of this good stuff, I had a near-death experience, was hit on the head with a decorative leaded glass window that was sitting on the mantle in my home. And there was no reason why that thing fell off. It had been sitting there for several years. It was heavy. It, it was encased in a oak frame. And uh, it, that thing just vaulted off and whacked me. All of a sudden, I'm scooting down a long dark tunnel, drawn to the light, a classic near-death experience. This was in the late 70s, before it, much was known about NDEs. Um, I had never heard of them, and it was an amazing experience. There was no fear involved, but everything happened really fast. I encountered my mother and grandmother, who were deceased, standing right at the entrance to the light, greeting me and sending and showering such incredible sense of both peace and love to me that um, it was worth the whole experience just for that. But then I passed into a place that was rolling hills and beautiful sky and grass and flowers, and it was the most amazing quality of light. It was as if each blade of grass um, emitted its own light. Colors were very clear. You know, this is a, years and years ago, but just thinking about it and remembering those colors brings back a certain emotion of the wonder of that place. So I was there for a while and then bingo, you just kind of go zip to another frame almost and um, I was in the presence of a being of light who 
from whom emitted just unconditional, tremendous love and peace. And it was the kind of experience that one would never care to leave. You could just stay there in that union of oneness forever. I did not have a life review, as some people do, but I did have the sense that there simply are no secrets, and there's no uh, one should not waste energy running around trying to keep secrets. Like everything's known on all realms all the time. And then bingo, I was back in my body. Um, had a big gash on the top of my head, and the blood was dry on top of my head. So the best I've been able to piece together was that I was out probably an hour, which is an unusual amount of time to be out with a head injury and to actually, you know, recover. So, you know, I was CAT scanned and all that jazz and had a hematoma, but not huge enough that it had to be surgically reduced, and I was flat on my back for a while. Now, the scientist in me said, well, wasn't that interesting? Let's just uh, disregard this whole experience, forget about it, and go on with being a scientist. But I couldn't escape the intensity of the images I saw. I couldn't escape the intensity of the emotions of such profound peace. Um, and joy was a happy experience. So I started just reading everything I could get my hands on. I ran into Ray Moody's first book, Life After Life. And I actually recall standing at Elliott Bay Bookstore in Seattle and riveted to the spot reading page by page the anecdotal descriptions of people who'd had near-death experiences and how similar they were, at least the parallels that were there with small variations. The scientist in me said, if it's this repeatable, something here is real, pay attention to it. So then I found a, a man who was a healer in Seattle and along with my reading, started taking classes, started meditating. In the meditations, I would have visions, things would come unbidden, uh, guiding me, and then I started actually doing some healing work with people and getting incredible responses from people for about what they felt, the changes in their life, the results that stayed with them, um, that enhanced their health. Um, eventually, um, in, after a trip down to Mount Shasta with a couple folks and on the way back, uh, stopping at a, a shrine in Portland, Oregon, I received a real direct calling to healing. Um, and I actually began the resignation process from my position as a scientist the next day. It took me a couple months to finish up what I was doing to train someone to take over the lab, but felt like I leapt off into the abyss and started just a simple healing practice out of a basement room in my home. Then I had an opportunity to go to the Philippines and study with a Philippine healer up in the mountains near Baguio. And then I came back, and it took a while to kind of integrate what I learned there. I spent a month in South India um, visited Sai Baba's ashram and watched carefully and interviewed people, talked to them about their experience of 
energy healing and that culture and that modality and that belief system. Came back and integrated that. And then in uh, 1990, I went to Bali for the first time and met an incredible master healer. The, The new healers in Bali, those who are not part of a lineage, um, come to their work and their gifts through near-death experiences. And I met a woman there who was just an incredible healer and really bonded with her. And so I went back and forth from Seattle to uh, Bali over a 10-year period and worked intensely with her, learned a great deal about how she and her culture and their point of view works with energy deeply, intensely. I went through many initiations with her, and one of them, uh, she sat me on top of a red ant hill. I looked down, and here's a very busy bunch of red ants swarming around right where I was sitting, and I wasn't bitten by one of them. Um, I had an opportunity to walk fire, 15 feet of red hot coals, and was not burned. So I've had some experiences which shocked me as a scientist going, how can this happen? And yet kept leading me into both the inquiry of how does this happen? How can we use it for benefiting others, for relieving suffering, for enhancing health, for clarity, for well-being? And that's been my journey these 22 years since I left the lab, uh, working as a healer, one-on-one with people. And now with uh, my book out, I'm finding that um, I'm able to talk to and teach at a larger, uh, larger groups at a, uh, other venues. And I'm invited now to speak and teach and try and help people learn how to do this for themselves. Okay, I want to go into, uh, thank you for the background. I believe it's important people learn from context. Now, I believe that every single thing we need to heal is already present. It is merely enhanced synergistically by the alignments that we make. For example, when I suggest to this audience that they have a berry juice every morning with blueberries and raspberries and strawberries and tart cherries and pomegranate and uh, currants and gooseberries, and they throw it all into a blender. If they can't get the fresh fruit, use the frozen. If you can't get the frozen, use the concentrate. can't use the concentrate, use the powder, but get it into your system. Mm-hmm. Someone will say, well, when we analyze this, what we have are this amount of calories and this amount. And I'm saying you're, you're analyzing something is, uh, from the wrong end of the spectrum. You can't mm-hmm. analyze the in- It's the healing energy. The purity and power and the potency of the plant mm-hmm. is aligning with what your cell's DNA require and can actually help the DNA reverse itself. Now, to prove this, now that's just a theory. It's just a hypothesis. I took a group of 1,200 individuals. This is 13 years ago. And we just wanted to see, could we change genetically program men and women's hair, those who are bald, to grow their hair back? 
and 5% of the people actually had their hair grow back. Well, someone will say, well, that's not statistically significant. What we didn't know at the time was 95% of the people did not adhere to the protocol. Whoa. All right? I mean, they, they, it, they thought it was too extraneous, too much effort. I didn't know that. So then I only found that out later, and so then I decided to do it again. But this time, I would monitor personally every single person, meet with them every week, and we would uh, photograph and measure their hair. They had to have balding, thin, and graying for at least seven years because there are circumstances that cause the hair to temporarily recede or to drop out, like pregnancy, uh, chemotherapy, shock, etc. And so once we had a group of individuals, over 422, they were given all the same identical protocol, and the protocol was based upon eliminating anything that had a negative life force mm-hmm. or that in any way diminished the quality of our vital life force, cellular, spiritual, emotional, creative, intellectual, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could not have any meat and dairy, sugar and refined carbohydrates, caffeine, soft drinks, uh, flour, uh, they had to have living, raw, fresh, uh, natural, organic, uh, juicing galore, and supplements, exercising six days a week for an hour, aerobically, half hour uh, resistance, plus uh, guided visualization, stress management, innate, uh, stimulating innate healing, and uncluttering their lives, overcoming fear, getting rid of un, uh, the rage and, and um, uncontrolled anger. So it was a very comprehensive program. This time, we told them, if you do not adhere to the program and do your homework every week and bring it in and show us and prove that you're doing this, you're out of the program. Uh-huh. Well, at the end of it, we then had an outside independent medical biostatistician do the analysis of their redone hair, redone blood, redone, and then redo uh, or do all their journals. Mm-hmm. And it, ju- it was staggering. 87 to 93% reversal of skin and hair, Mm -hmm. keratinized tissue and aging pigments, everything changed. Now, we submitted this, and it was accepted in a peer-reviewed journal, and then it was accepted for presentation as the keynote speech of about 60 speeches at the World Congress on Anti-Aging Medicine just four weeks ago in Chicago. All right. Congratulations. And, and, and the, this is 20,000 of the world's most preeminent researchers in anti-aging. And this was the first study ever done to prove scientifically you could reverse the DNA damage, especially okay. mm-hmm. DNA that had been genetically programmed. Right. And afterwards, um, we must have had, Dr. Martin Feldman and myself must have had 500 scientists come outside of the hallway and... We're talking about people from Harvard, Yale, and MIT, because they're still working with telomeres. They're working with chromosomes. Right. This is way ahead of all that. Telomeres. Yeah. This is, and I'm, and and what they were excited by was the idea that it wasn't just nutrients. I said, don't look at just the nutrients. It's the energy exchange. Sure. And then we had to have a whole discussion of what does it mean to have an energy exchange. Mm-hmm. And I said, no two energies can share the same space with equal intensity at the same time. So the degree you have one energy, toxic, negative, uh, polluting, destructive, you cannot have one that's healing, nurturing, giving. Mm. And then I explained that the selection of your 
friends, the selection of where you live, the selection of your work, the selection of your <laughs> thoughts, the selection of your diet is all based upon energy. So by learning to exchange the energy, the cells actually respond because the cell just doesn't have one line. Of, you fully well know the cell just doesn't have one line of communication. Oh, right, many. Mm -hmm. There's many, many different ways. That, look, you have the endoplastic rectilium. You have the uh, nanotubes uh, nucleus. You have the uh, mitochondria, uh, the cell membrane. All of those have channels of communication and function. All of those can impact what the cell does. And the irony of the cell is it's working on our behalf all the time. That, ha that shows unconditional love. That shows the pure spirit working nonstop in all cells. Could you imagine 100 trillion people working in perfect harmony yeah. at all times? Yeah. No, you can't get four people to work in harmony at, all, at any time. I know, and, pretty and mind-boggling. So, that, so that, that establishes the the holy nature, for want of a better word, or, or the spiritual nature of the cell itself, then why not simply honor it by what you associate with it, put into it, and then you have that harmony, and that in was the outcome of that. So I just wonder your thoughts on that, please. I think that's very exciting material, and that the carefulness in which you're, you set up your study and created the parameters of it make it highly significant you know i think that's very exciting i'm thrilled that it's gone where it's gone and we'll get a lot of attention and it's the time is right at this point in history for us to begin to look at how powerful the things are that you set up in this particular study the use of really wholesome materials that go in the body to nourish it the energy parameters of how um, thought processes are done, the in incredible uh, benefits of moving our bodies, of having good and adequate exercise, and then to be able to show it as clearly with a good-sized group so that your statistics are um, workable. I think that's thrilling. What was interesting is we did not measure objectively the journals, but subjectively, and virtually every disease you can imagine that these people had going into the study that we were not measuring but asked them to track in their journals mm -hmm. improved. So wow. what it tells us is what you have done. And by the way, in, in let me just, re, re, just reiterate my, my guest, Dr. Joyce Hawks, H-A-W-K-E-S, is also the author of Cell Level Healing, The Bridge from the Soul to the Cell. It's by Atria Books, and you can get it online by www.cell... Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's celllevelhealing.com. Cell level, yeah, celllevelhealing.com. Celllevelhealing.com. And that when you help with a positive choice, one specific thing... The side effect is you're helping everything else that's associated with that. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts for this audience that could inspire them and, and give them some direction? Yes. And I, one of the things I feel that's really important for people to know is that this is not dependent on somebody outside of themselves, that they can access 
these kinds of powerful assistances for their life um, themselves. And we all need others at times and information at times, but it's but those are teaching experiences so that we can click on to how to do these things ourselves, like going out and bringing in all those wonderful fresh fruits that you mentioned and blending them. That's information that's useful that people can act on for themselves, to bring in meditative, positive energy of well-being, of a level of consciousness that encourages the whole body to be in balance, in harmony, to be clear and compassionate, aware and um, full of appreciation, there creates a harmony within the body that um, maximizes our health so that we can be at an optimal level. And the wonders of simply good exercise, getting out and moving. I have a great big dog that keeps me honest because he's not happy if I'm not outside moving. <laughs> oh, and those dogs have a spirit life also. Let us oh, not forget yeah. that. And the dogs, the cats, the birds, the cows. Do you realize that, and this is something for everyone in this audience, we should all be concerned about our environment. After mm-hmm. all, it's a, it's a directly link to the quality of our lives. Mm-hmm. But if everyone in this audience gave up eating anything with a heartbeat or a face. Mm. Do you know that we would change the carbon blueprint more than all other forms of pollution, Mm. carbon-emitting pollution, cars and combined? Mm. That's how polluting to methane uh, exchange is from animals that are raised for human consumption. So go green by going vegan. (laughs) <laughs> vegan is green and does more than changing cars. Mm-hmm. Now, then if we changed cars and went vegan, what a way. And then, of course, the best way in the world to clean up pollution is to close down Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Turn out the lights in the White House. And the, <laughs> but that, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Joyce, thank you so much for being with us. I I'm, I'm really appreciate the work you're doing, and hopefully people will pay attention to your work and realize that they can tap into that cell-level healing in themselves. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed my conversation with you. All the best to you. Thank you. Bye. And that was um, Dr. Joyce Hawks, biophysicist, cell biologist, National Institutes of Health uh, researcher, National Marine Research Center, uh, honored uh, researcher from the National Achievement Awards group, and uh, now she put that energy into healing people and helping other people heal themselves.